you don't have to be perfect in order to date and you don't have to be perfect in order to have sex. And one of the things that I've seen be helpful for some of the men I've worked with is to just name, just talk to the woman about it. And the way that that would sound is... slightly under the weather so you might hear that in my voice. I just really wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who've already joined as patrons. As I mentioned last week and the week before, um, many podcasts are going behind paywalls of some kind and I want to keep this podcast open and free and available to all. So several of you have joined um, my Patreon at, at different levels and become patrons and I just... I feel so backed up and I feel so loved and appreciated and seen and I just, it really means a lot. So thank you to everyone who's joined and for those of you who are interested, if you join at the level of $10 a month or more, then you will get access to a monthly live Q&A with me and I will be sending out the date for that for this month very soon. I've just been a little bit sick so I've been a little bit slow this week but that is coming and I'm excited about it and I really yeah I just I can't overestimate or overemphasize how much it means that you all have have been joining as patrons and I'm making it a little fun goal to to have 100 patrons by my birthday which is in October so um if you want it to I think we're at uh, 12 or 15 patrons at the moment. So if you want to contribute to that goal, I don't have a big thermometer, but I'll, I'll keep you all updated about monthly on, on where we are on that. Um, but it just, it really, really means a lot. It really means a lot. I feel like you all are out there, you know, you're listening and, and there's real people. Sometimes podcasting feels a little bit like throwing something into the void and you can't, you, you never really know if real human beings are, are out there listening. So Thank you for backing me up. Thank you for being there. I really appreciate it. Um, and if you are interested in that, you can join uh, just Google Patreon Dear Men Podcast. It should come up right away. And if you are, uh, if you have any feedback on this episode, this episode is a bit of an experiment. So if you have any feedback, yeah, you can get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. I think I say that in the episode too. So apologies for the uh, repetition and um, wishing you a happy new year. Hey everyone, this is a little bit of an experimental episode this week for a couple reasons. One, I joined a new co-working space and I'm trying out the phone booth, so we're going to see how this audio quality is. I do plan to purchase a headset so that the audio quality will be going up in the new year, but um, wanted to do a solo episode. So this is uh, this is going to be a sort of user-generated question answering session. So questions from listeners as well as common questions that we get from our clients. And my goal is to be helpful. My goal is to be helpful and to give you some concrete suggestions on the answers to these common questions. So the first one that we get often is, how do I approach a woman at the gym or grocery store or park or outdoor place or anything like that? 
And I think this is a great question because we've done a cold approach episode on the podcast before, a girl talk episode. So this is similar to that, but we do get this question a lot. And I think that one of the main things to know here is that it's okay to do it. You know what? It's okay to approach. Uh, Most women are going to be open to an approach. And the basic premise is that you comment on something in the environment or something she's wearing or maybe something she's buying at the grocery store or you say, God, there's like a whole lot of choices when it comes to almond butter. I didn't know how many choices there were or just something about the environment. And then you read her cues, right? So basically, the idea here is that you can always hit the ball over the net. You know, a lot of our clients, and I think a lot of listeners, are often concerned about bothering a woman or being a burden or somehow interrupting her day or being annoying. In my experience, I've never been annoyed by a man approaching me. The times I've been annoyed or felt creeped out or scared is when he hasn't stopped when I'm clearly giving him cues that I'm not interested or want or need to be doing something else, right? So if someone approaches me at the gym and we're chatting for a while and then I'm sort of like inching my way towards the locker room, that's a clear signal like, I'm done with this conversation, I'm ready to go. And if he continues to kind of press me, that's when I feel uncomfortable. But a man kind of approaching and, you know, we're both at the water fountain together, filling my water bottle. He's like, how's your workout going? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm trying this new, like, high-intensity interval training thing. If I'm hitting the ball back, right, he, he hits the ball over the net, and I'm hitting the ball back, I'm happy that he hit the ball over the net. I just don't want him to keep hitting the ball when I'm clearly not playing the game. So I think the most important thing to know is that you should do it, <laughs> that it's okay. And um, one of our clients just had a... A success around this, just, yeah, approaching a woman at the gym and even sort of, like, pointing to her headphones and being like, oh, like, can you take your headphones off? And then just commented on something fun that she was wearing. And they had a nice little exchange, and that was it. And it didn't necessarily go anywhere. It doesn't have to go anywhere. But it was a human moment, and it was brave, really brave of him. And I think that that's something that I have had a lot of respect for, for men that have approached me out in the wild, is it's not that easy to do that. You know, it's not that easy to do that. And one last success story that I would share is I was sitting on a metro bench once reading a book, and there was a guy sitting next to me, and he was like, oh, what are you reading? And I started telling him about the story, and we started talking about authors, and we rode the train together, and he asked me out, and um, or he asked for my number. I can't remember exactly what happened, but we stayed in touch, and then he asked me out, and we dated, and I'm still in touch with him today. So that is an experience of... um, just noticing, just noticing the environment, noticing the person, being a little bit fearless about just just hitting the ball over the net, just starting, just starting a conversation. So the next question is, how do I approach someone I work with to date? And the fact is, this is actually tricky. There is some complexity here. And it's a common question in part because Work is one of the places we spend the most time, and this will depend on your workplace. Some of you work from home, but some of you work in environments with other people, and a lot of us will have a work crush, right? A work crush is actually a pretty common phenomenon. And sometimes there's this question around, you know, how do I sort of approach someone or ask someone out at work because I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Again, there's that theme around, I don't want to make her uncomfortable. I don't want to overstep. And there's a couple of layers here. So First of all, 
a lot of times part of the complexity at work is if there's a power dynamic, meaning if there's someone above or below you in the hierarchy, so if it's your manager or if it's someone that works for you, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that if you're interested in someone who works for you, don't ask them out until they don't work for you anymore. So, for example, I knew a woman who was a paralegal. She was an intern at a firm for a summer, and she was interested in her manager. And she thought maybe she was getting some signals back, but he was, you know, very respectful and kind of, um, yeah, just respectful, kept a little bit of a distance. Um, but she but she was feeling the vibes, and so she chose not to work at that law firm that coming year, but to go somewhere else. And... Um, he actually asked her out on her last day. They had like, oh, goodbye to all the interns. And then he actually came out to the parking lot and asked her out. So he was waiting for her to not be working for him. And that was sort of a group scenario, right? They had several paralegals and there were several associates. But it wouldn't have been appropriate for them to date at work because she worked for him in some capacity. And there's just a lot of complexity and it, 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 it can get really, really messy when there's power dynamics involved. I also, when I worked at Trader Joe's, I was I became friendly with a manager there, and she was a manager interested in a man who was working on the floor, meaning not a manager um, in the hierarchy, and she actually uh, communicated with him and was just like, hey, there's an opening happening at another store. Would you ever be interested in working at another store, you know, in a different location? He said yes. He transferred, and then... And then she asked him out. Either she asked him out or he asked her out. But they, again, there was some, you know, connection. They would talk and everything. And they waited until she, he was not her direct report. He was not her direct report. She was not his manager anymore. And then they went out. So I do think that it's possible to make those lateral switches happen. And I do think that it's a lot just safer for everyone involved to make that happen. And then... If you are on the same level, right, so let's say that there isn't a manager-employee um, relationship or manager-subordinate relationship, but it's just someone that you work with, a coworker, a colleague, um, <clears throat> sometimes, you know, you can just have a conversation with that person, right? Because in a lot of structures, there's no sort of rule against it. You can actually date someone at your level. And depending on your work environment, it can be worth looking up in the HR outline for your company, whether that is, you know, frowned upon or whether that's okay at your company. It's good to know that. But for a lot of folks, it, it is actually okay to date at your level. Now, the most important thing for me as a woman in a work environment is that I feel safe. And so I have been in workplaces where I've kind of felt a vibe with a coworker and I have held back and chosen not to go forward with that because for me, the times that men have felt the most scary and, and creepy is when they have felt rejected. So in my worst case scenario, he asks me out, we go out for a while, it doesn't work out, something happens, I say no, we, we break up. And then he's awful to me at work and my workplace doesn't feel safe anymore and I feel uncomfortable and I have felt creeped out or uncomfortable. I have had a man in my past who exhibited stalking behavior. So I, you know, like many women, have some amount of trauma around relating with men who didn't feel safe. So when I'm in a scenario when someone's asking me out and I'm not <clears throat> necessarily going to see them again, Right. So that's your like a bar or even like a grocery store, like we said, or, you know, somewhere where this is sort of a stranger. That's different. But if it's someone I know I'm going to be seeing again and again, especially if I like that job, 
it can feel intimidating. So one way that you can do this is to just have a conversation with the person and say, hey, listen, can I talk to you about something? And then get somewhere, you know, private and say, you know, like, this is kind of edgy for me, but I'm practicing being more straightforward and direct. And um, so here it is. I'm kind of interested in asking you out. And I also just want to acknowledge that that's complicated because we work together. And I want you to know that my priority is for you to feel safe and comfortable. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Now, this does a couple of things. One, it names that you are safe, that you are prioritizing her safety and comfort. You're actually saying those kinds of words out loud. And in my experience, it really helps me to know that a man has his attention on me thinking about my safety, right? That he knows that I think about my safety a lot, that it's important that I might have had not great experiences with men. The other thing it does is it approaches the subject directly. You know, it's like a, it's a direct ask. And the, the, the idea here is that what you really want to do is listen to her answer. And I know that that sounds obvious, but you really want to listen because she might say things like, oh, I'm really flattered. And, um, yeah, honestly, like I, I would be interested if we didn't work together and I, I just really like this job and I don't want to risk it. And, And at that point, you need to reassure her, like, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. It's no problem. Um, You know, maybe if in the future either of us doesn't work here anymore or something changes, you know, maybe maybe I'll try again and and leave it at that. What you what you don't want to do is sort of press or push in the same way that we said for the last for the last response Or just kind of, you know, apologize for asking in the first place. You don't need to apologize. It's a brave thing to indicate interest to someone. And you're just exploring and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing so in a respectful way, which is really listening to what she's saying. The times that I have felt creeped out are when I did not feel like a man was listening to me. I felt like he didn't really, didn't really care what I was saying. He didn't care that I was saying, you know, please don't do that or whatever it was. It's like... When a man is listening to me, I feel safe. When he is not listening to me, I don't feel safe. And then this might sound a bit obvious, but you want to make sure that you treat this person the same way you were treating them before this happened. So if they if they do say something like, um, say you're thinking of me, I'm really flattered. I think actually, yeah, it feels just kind of complicated since we do work together and I just feel a little nervous about it. Um, then just just back away and be respectful and and keep keep the, in all likelihood you you vibe with this person to a certain extent so you want to keep spending time with them and you kind of want to show them it's okay you know i can handle it and for me you know if a man approached me i've never had a man approach me in this way i've wished that they would in the past but what i've most often ha- experienced is them kind of dancing around the the topic or not asking me about it or just assuming I wasn't interested or just I could tell that they were sort of wanted to know what was going on but they never sort of asked me directly and I didn't want to be presumptuous and approach them and say like hey I would be interested in going out with you if we didn't work together so if you if you sense me flirting with you or you know giving you vibes it's not that you're misreading my signals it's that I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm interested and I'm hesitant. I don't want to risk my job. I don't want to risk my safety or sense of psychological safety at work. I'm, I'm nervous about that prospect of dating someone from work. 
but you're not crazy. You know, I have, I, I, there is interest here, right? There is, we do vibe. So I kind of wish that some of those men had kind of opened a conversation with me about it so that we could both be clear. And the last thing that I just want to say on this topic is that it is actually worth sometimes exploring these connections because the research shows that one third of people who end up dating someone from work actually marry that person. So we can build strong relationships at work, not just uh, romantic relationships, but fr deep friendships. And there's a way that we get to know our coworkers in a deep way. We get to see them in different circumstances. We get to see their decision-making. We can joke about things that are going on. You know, there's, there's a lot of bonding that can happen at work. And so I do think that it's worth navigating the complexity. And I also think that in any conversation, what you want to do is kind of name what's so, right? Acknowledge what's so, which is, you know, we had a, a question a while ago from one of our clients who was, it wasn't a work situation, but they were in a yoga teacher training and it was like a 600 hour yoga teacher training. So it was an, it was going to be ongoing contact for quite a while. And it was the same thing where it was like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm interested in asking you out. And I also just want to acknowledge that we're in, we're in a shared community and that might not feel good to you. That might not feel safe, safe to you or exciting to you. And I just wanted to check in about it because I'm interested over here and I wanted you to know that. And I want to make a lot of space for, for how you're feeling and then stop and listen to the response. So again, just the fact that a man would name what's happening, right? Like I see that we are in a shared community and I want you to feel safe. I'm interested in you and I want to make space for that to happen if it's, you know, called for, if you're interested too. And I want to acknowledge, you know, there's other dynamics going on here. For a man to name all of that to me would feel so good and, and it would just have me feel really nourished. And I think that this goes back to polarity. If you've listened to episodes about polarity, because what it shows is that that man is able to hold a lot of consciousness. He's able to see the bigger picture and he's also aware that for many, many women, safety is paramount and we have felt unsafe in the past. So there's an acknowledgement of the sort of broader sense of women and safety. And then there's the sort of uh, micro sense of we're in a shared environment together. And that might be a concern for you. You know, that might be something that you're thinking about. So that is that. Uh, next up is uh, one of the questions that we get often from clients is like, which dating app should I use? And how do I regulate myself around it? Meaning, how do I stop myself from checking it all the fucking time? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of our clients are either sort of sort of learning how to date for the first time or they are separated or divorced coming back into the dating market and trying to figure it out. And, um, and sometimes there's even men who, who already know that they have, I don't know if I would say addictive personality, but that they have uh, a certain amount of... Um, compulsive behavior sometimes. And so they're a little concerned about getting on the apps at all because they're concerned about, you know, what if I check it all the time? What if I, you know, feel like my feelings get hurt because I'm ghosted? You know, how do I regulate myself around the apps? So I'm going to answer both of those. So first of all, when it comes to which app to use, um, if you're looking for more like traditional dating apps, you're going to be looking at Tinder, Bumble, Facebook dating, Hinge, apps like that. 
I'm not wild about these. Um, and I also acknowledge that there, there's a lot of volume here, right? There are a lot of people on those apps. And I've met hookup buddies through these. I have met people I've dated. And I know people who've met someone that they married from these apps. So they can work. They do work. And there are a few things to know. One is that I believe that my understanding is that Tinder will take someone out of the algorithm if they haven't swiped in seven or more days. So the folks that you're seeing on Tinder are often actual users. That said, there are also a lot of bots. So if you if you are a, a man who has sex with women, you're on the app and you, you date women, you're going to be seeing bots. You're going to be seeing, you're, you're going to be, you are likely to get approached by AI or something else and that's just something to know that is out there that is that is something that happens um but but I believe that for the most part tinder's algorithm is more ethical in the sense of active users are in the algorithm and non-active users are not and the reason I say this is to contrast it with bumble which will often keep profiles active even if the users are not. So, for example, I'm a woman who has sex with men. I have been on Bumble and matched with, you know, 10, 10 men, right, and, haven't, and then messaged each of them and not heard back from any of them at all. And I believe this is in part because since my profile had been on Bumble, because when I was on it, I would, you know, use it for a few months and then not use it for a few months and then come back. And in the times that I wasn't using it, my profile still looked active. So there would be men on there swiping on me, right, swiping right on me, but I wasn't active in the app. And then I would go back in the app and swipe right on them, but they weren't active. So because inactive folks are seen as active, sometimes there's an even higher rate of what feels like ghosting, where it feels like I matched with this person, I reached out to this person, but I never heard back from them, which makes it feel like you're being ignored. So that's just something to know that certain apps like Bumble, I don't know about Hinge, and I don't know about Facebook dating, but it's better to be on the apps where you know that active users, that the users that you're seeing are actually active. So, um, so yeah, so there's a lot of volume. Some of what I'm about to say is also going to depend on your geography, right? So smaller towns and more rural locations, you are going to see just less volume, um, particularly in the more niche apps. So there's two more categories. One is um, consciousness-minded. So if what I often find in our coaching program and the, the clients that I have is that I'm, I'm frequently recommending OkCupid and Meet Mindful, as apps where you're going to find folks that are interested in consciousness, in growth work, in that kind of thing. And I also, OkCupid is also a place where if you're interested in ethical non-monogamy, E-N-M, you'll often see E-N-M written on people's profiles. That stands for ethical non-monogamy. That's where you're going to find some of those folks. So I'm a big fan of OkCupid for two reasons. One, there's a lot of consciousness-minded folks on there also there's more information. The, the questions are better. You can write more. It gives you more of a sense of who someone is before you're, before you're meeting up with them or even messaging them. Whereas I find with the other apps, right, Tinder, Bumble, those kinds of apps, there's not that much information. There's not that much on there. And so it's harder to get a sense of people. I will say that 
I do like Hinge because it has an option where you can leave a voice message. So you can answer one of the questions, like what's one of your favorite foods and why. You can answer it with your voice. And that I really like because it feels personal. You can really get to know someone through their voice. You can express more of who you are. So if you are going to use one of those apps, that's something to know about Hinge. And then the last um, few are eHarmony and Match, those types of apps, which are a little bit more what's the word? I was going to say traditional, but they, they are also more intensive in terms of how much information you can get and provide. Um, sometimes they, um, attract an older demographic. So it's going to depend on what age range you're in, what age range you're looking for, etc. Um, and ultimately this is all about experimenting, right? You're going to experiment with these and see, see who you're matching with, see how you like the experience, etc. Um, and the last thing is around, you know, regulating. So how do I regulate myself around the apps? And this is potentially a whole podcast episode of its own, but essentially one of the things that we recommend to clients is, you know, set aside about 20 minutes in the morning and in the evening or 30 minutes or whatever you want to do, but set aside some time to, you know, swipe, respond to messages, send out some messages, you know, be, be in the apps and then don't go on for the rest of the day. And the key to this is to turn off notifications. You, If every time someone swipes on you, you get a little pop-up on your phone, it's going to be very hard to ignore that. So what you want to do is go into settings and turn off notifications and get the app off your home screen so that you can't see the little badge that says, you know, seven or nine or whatever the little number is. So get it off your home screen and turn off notifications and be mindful about when you use it, once in the morning, once in the evening, and then do, do your correspondence, all of that. And if you want to, you can even let people know, hey, I'm usually on here, you know, in the, in the evening or whatever it is. So if you don't hear from me during the day, that's why. That's probably only if you're sort of in a conversation with someone. And, um, and the last thing I would say is just as a woman, I, I think it's just important to know that, you know, again, with the safety conversation, I've had men want to get off the app quickly, like, hey, let's get off the app. Can I have your number? And I have had a bad experience, several bad experiences giving men my number. You know, again, men who weren't taking no for an answer, just kept messaging me even after it was obvious that I wasn't going to respond or I wasn't interested. And they were getting increasingly, you know, what's the word? agitated. And so some women might want to keep corresponding through the app even after a date. So, and that's okay. It's going to, you want to go at her pace and you, you know, it's it's fine to express a preference, but if a woman says, you know, I'd, I'd rather stay here or, you know, communicate through the app, please respect that because there's a reason, right? There's a reason that she's saying that. I had a man once I was in a club and, um, he asked for my number and I said, Oh, I actually don't give out my number, but I'm on Instagram. If you want to, you know, communicate that way. And he rolled his eyes and kind of shut down and got really kind of angry actually. And in a way that's kind of my, that's a fear that I have, right? Is that I will set a boundary of some kind and then a man will get annoyed with me. And so in a way it was a good thing because it, it showed me who he was right away. And it was also disorienting and disappointing because I'd been talking to him for at least an hour and we'd been vibing. So it was a little jarring and weird. It was like as soon as he felt 
turned down or as soon as he felt rejected in, in any way, he got he changed. So I think that's that's just an important theme that 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 comes up in a lot of these environments is just to make sure that she knows that if you if she says no to you, that you won't harm her. Okay, and then the last question is, this isn't a question exactly, but this is a pattern that I've seen and something that men will tell me sometimes, which is that if they have some kind of issue around erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or some kind of other um, concern around sex, that it can actually block them from approaching women entirely because it's sort of like, yeah, I saw, you know, there's this cute girl in my improv class, you know, I'm interested and but if I even consider asking her out and then I sort of fast forward to like we go on a date, it goes really well. Maybe we, we kiss, we make out and then it progresses to the bedroom. If I don't feel confident there, then what's the point of any of it, right? And so there's a couple things here. One is I just want to express compassion because I think that there's a lot that particularly men and women who have, we, we have different, um, physiology. We have different concerns in the world. Our lived experiences are different. You know, there's a lot of difference there. And I think that it's really hard for men to empathize with women and women to empathize with men around sex because we are different. And so I don't think that a lot of women really get, you know, what it is to, to have performance anxiety or to, um, contend with having a cock because we don't, we don't have that. We, you know, we don't have to get it up. You know, there's not that same pressure. And when I say pressure, I don't just mean from a partner, but from ourselves and from, and that, you know, just judgment and, you know, I should be different than I am. You know, I should have this together or whatever it is. So a couple things here. One is that, um, you don't have to be perfect in order to date and you don't have to be perfect in order to have sex. And one of the things that I've seen be helpful for some of the men I've worked with is to just name, just talk to the woman about it. And the way that that would sound is, you know, let's say you go on a date or two and let's say, you know, you've made out, um, you know that there's interest, right? There's interest. You're, you're, you're both interested in each other. A, you don't have to go fast. You don't have to have full, you know, intercourse right away, for example. There's lots you can do before intercourse. In my course about sex, please her in bed, one of the things I talk about is there's this assumption in our culture of going from zero to 60, right? Zero is nothing at all, and 60 is like we're fucking. And there's so much in the middle. There's so much around 30. There's so much fun you can have and things you can do. And in my view, sex is about a lot more than just intercourse. And um, so that's one thing is you don't have to go really, really fast. You don't have to get to full sex right away. So let's say you've been on a few dates. You've made out. It's really fun. You're turned on by her. It's, it's exciting. And you are having, you know, some anxiety about what's next. You can say, hey, um, I'd love to talk about sexy time. You know, I don't mean to be presumptuous or anything in terms of us having sex, but in the past, I haven't really talked about it as openly as I wish I had. So I'd love to try something new here. Um, you know, I've got something I want you to know when it comes to sex. And then I'd love to know if there's anything you want me to know. And then you wait for a response. She's probably going to be quite positive about it because, again, most men don't lead conversations like this. And it's such a relief when one does. 
So then you could continue with, um, so first, I want you to know I'm very attracted to you. <laughs> In case you weren't aware, I think you're hot. Uh, and um, second, sometimes my guy down there is a little shy. So it can take a while for him to warm up sometimes or like, like if we were fooling around and that wasn't happening, I wouldn't want you to think it was you. And then again, wait for a response and see how she does because the majority of the time she's going to be quite responsive and understanding and you're going to feel reassured, right? You just, just naming it, just having her be aware is half the battle. Just have, feeling like she's on your side, she's on your team, she knows what's happening is a game changer for a lot of men because for a lot of the men that I've worked with, the fear is I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to get myself into a situation where she's going to laugh at me or she's going to judge me or mock me. And the truth is that most women aren't going to do that. If they do do that, they're absolutely not the right women for you to be with. And there's something about naming it, right? Naming what's so, where you're at, what's going on for you. That's enrolling. It's, it's, it's engaging. It's, it's a, you know, I want to, I would lean into that conversation with a man. It has me feel closer to him. And you're also going to hear from her. So after you share this, then you say, is there anything you want me to know? And that's an important moment because, you know, as I've shared in other podcasts, for me, one of the things I've wanted to say to men is I, um, I really love receiving oral sex and I, I don't give blowjobs to men that aren't my steady partner. Like to me, that's, that's the most intimate act to me. That's more intimate than intercourse. And in the past, I've felt kind of nervous because sometimes a man will start to go down on me and I feel kind of stressed out. So because I, I, I don't know that I'm going to reciprocate with him, especially if we're not partnered yet. And so I, if you feel my body tighten or, you know, if, if you're starting to go down there, basically it's like, if you like to do that, I like to receive that. But if you're doing it because you want me to go down on you too, then I feel anxious and stressed out. So when you open up this conversation, when you choose to go first and say, hey, I'd love for us to just talk about this. Here's something that's on my mind when it comes to it. Is there anything that you'd like to share? And then she does that's a really important moment because what you're doing is you're creating a culture of safety and sharing in the relationship. It's a lot more likely that she's going to tell you something in the future when you say, I always want these topics to be on the table for us. I always want us to be able to talk about these things openly. And you don't need to be in a committed relationship to have that conversation. You don't need to wait until you're in a committed relationship. You can do that after you start making out. You know, you can do it one of the one of the times that it's great to do it is kind of like uh, pillow talk, right? So after you've made out or you've connected and you're just either laying there in bed or even just on a date, right? If you've, you made out in the car and you're you're like in that you know kind of liminal space after you've connected physically, it can be a great time to bring it up. But really, any time is fine. And and this is one of the things that Jason and I talk about in our free training um, is how to lead with vulnerability. And when you as a man master this art of leading with vulnerability, and what I just suggested is an example of that, where you lead with like, hey, I'd love to talk about this with you. Here's something that's on my mind. Here's something I want to share with you. Is there anything you want to share with me? That's an example of leading with vulnerability. When you master this, 
you are creating intimacy. You are generating polarity. You are becoming a leader in that relationship. And that is inherently attractive. It's attractive. It's, and, and all of your experiences can be included in it, meaning you can say, hey, I'm pretty nervous to talk about this with you, or I'm, <laughs> I'm noticing a little, uh, yeah, I'm a little, um, a little nervous about this, a little nervous about bringing this up. And that is part of the experience. That is part of what is attractive because you're showing her that you're someone who's willing to be fearless, right? You're showing her that you're someone who's willing to be courageous. I guess courageous is a better word than fearless there. You're being courageous and that you're offering something that you're not quite sure about, right? And there's something really attractive about that. You know, I remember a quote where someone said once, people don't love us for where we're strong. They love us for where we're we're vulnerable. And when you think about, you know, supporting someone in your life, like it could be a relative, it could be someone else. It's when they're sort of like, I'm not sure about this, or I'm, I'm a little scared, you know, what, what's going to happen to mom. Like those are the moments when you notice yourself kind of leaning in and, and wanting to be closer to them and wanting to support them. And, and when you feel deep care and affection, it's not that we don't love people when they're strong. We tend to have a lot of respect for people when they're kind of in their flow or they're doing their thing when they're in their strength. But it's when they're exposing their vulnerability, when they're sharing their heart with us, that we feel often feel the closest to them. It's what generates feelings of love. So those are the questions and the answers. If you have any further comments or you have any other questions that I didn't address, uh, email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and I would love to answer more questions. So I'm thinking that, you know, I might do this every once in a while and cover some, some common questions, some common themes that I'm noticing because I want this podcast to be concretely valuable. I want it to help in your real life. And I'm, I'm committed to that. I, I, I really want that. It's part of why I do it. So if there's ever something that you think, hey, I think this would be really valuable and I, I have a question about it. I imagine other men might as well. Please do let me know. It's, it's really helpful for me to hear back from you about what's landing, what's resonating, what you're wanting more of, what you're wanting less of, everything like that. So please do reach out, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. And I mentioned my course on sex, Please Her in Bed. If you're interested in that, you can go to pleaseherinbed.com. And if you use the promo code DEARMEN, that's all one word, the price will drop from $97 to $69. And I also mentioned our coaching program. If you're interested in going deeper than the podcast, learning a bit about that, you can take our free training, which is at evolutionary.men slash training to take the training and learn more about that if you're interested in transforming your dating life or your relationship life. I'd say that about half our clients are in relationships at this point and half are single. So we work with men at a whole different spectrum of experience and range of that. And um, and I guess what I would say is I've been thinking a lot about if you want something different than what you have, you got to do something different than what you've been doing. So if you have been toying with the idea of doing something to transform this part of your life, I encourage you to do that, whether that's joining our program or doing something else. But yes, take action because the transformations that I've witnessed have been remarkable in not very long of a time for a lot of the men that we work with. So change is possible and it's faster in community. So I will leave you with that.